Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. How you doing? Well, this side is good. You people, man, you must be bad. Like, they're all like over there like, good. Ah! You guys are like, ah. It's good to be back home. I was gone last week. As you know, Pastor Joy, Troy did a great job preaching. Um, that side appreciated it. Like, you guys are going to have to step up your game. Like, they're just, they're just doing you bad, right? TJ did a great job leading. And, um, you know, Pastor Troy did a great job. He was a little double-minded, right? Flip-flopping back and forth between that preacher gig and that coach gig, you know? The Bible says a double-minded uh, a man is unstable in all of his ways. You saw it firsthand. Um, in case you're wondering where I was, I'll tell you I was suffering for Jesus in Myrtle Beach. Golfing it was rough. But somebody had to do it. Because somebody has to make sure those people down there can make a living as well. Right? And besides that, golf is good for repentance, confession, repentance. It's a tough schedule, though. you got to understand. Like, we go down there. We spend five days, four days golfing. We got to get up in the morning early, eat breakfast at 7, golf at 8.30, eat a sandwich at the course, golf another 18 holes, then go eat a steak dinner and do it all again the next day. It's tough, you know, it's tough. But consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of any kind. But no, it's always good to be home, though, whenever you go away. Uh, Pastor John, I know Tammy's not here this morning, but, um, you, you know, you're not nearly as cute either, but anyhow... But she had a birthday yesterday, and uh, tell her we love her, give her a hug for me, and uh, tell her to work the room. If you go anywhere with Tammy, you know life's a party, and uh, she's, she's just a wonderful person. Uh, I'm always so inspired by Tammy Gray, really. This is uh, a lady that I've known for many years who has dealt with the going blind, legally blind, her eyesight getting worse, and worse and worse over the years, and yet her countenance never got worse. And she is the same person every day, day in, joyful, happy, and the joy of the Lord is her strength, and I have so much admiration and, and inspired by her. And so when you see her somewhere this week, say happy belated birthday. All right, I want to make mention of a couple of things that are coming up. One, one of those, in October, we've chosen um, in October and the first Sunday of November to take three specific Sundays. I'm going to ask you to really consider making um, your schedule available to this we are taking the 4th, I believe it is, the 11th, well, let me check, make sure. The 4th, the 18th of October, and November 1st, we will be having evenings of prayer in here for our upcoming election in our country, and uh, we just thought it'd be a good time for us to gather as a body, lift up prayer, okay? Because let I me mean, know our prayer is your kingdom come. Just as you heard, our prayer is your kingdom come. Whatever it may be, your kingdom come. And uh, we need to pray for it. We need to pray for our country. So we're going to be doing that October 4th, 18th, and the 1st at 6.30. I believe it might be in the bulletin. Um, if not, it will be. Another thing I want to make mention of, you know, it's been an interesting year. Many churches and organizations, businesses and everything, they weren't sure how they were going to navigate the COVID era. You know, churches were kind of not having services or having only virtual services or outside like we did for a while. Businesses, you know, the whole nine yards. And... Um, Many weren't sure how they were going to handle it financially. And I want to say this. I've said this from day one. Um, we've been blessed, all right? In an era where there has been challenges, you folks have stepped up. God is always faithful. And uh, we have not really missed a beat financially. I mean, you know, we give God praise for that. Um, one of the things, though, is we have not 
And so I want to say this. So in this course of everything we've done, we have not taken or had a lot of guests or have taken a lot of special offerings. Well, we want to do a special offering on October 5th. All right, and let me tell you what it's for. It is, you know, for us to be a blessing. We've been blessed, and we want to be a blessing. And many of you know we've raised money before for the um, orphanage in Bailey's, where there's 39 children. We went down there not too long ago in February, I think it was, and did some renovations. And I got an email a couple weeks ago from them, and just things are rough down there since COVID. Here, let me read you just some of it. Um, that they're struggling to provide essentials for the children. Um, they have no computers for online education. Um, they have no access to online education. They're trying to build concrete security sheds because safety has become an issue. And she's trying to raise money for a security camera. Uh, there have been robberies and murders in the neighborhood around them. Um, and so there's many things that are going on. There's no government help. Um, and so they are really struggling. And I said, you know what? Um, we've been blessed um, and we're going to be a blessing. And so if you would just prepare your minds for that, prepare your hearts for that, that October 5th, we're going to receive a special offering so that we can send it to Liberty Orphanage in Belize to help them out. Amen? And I know you'll be a great blessing to them. All right. Well, let's do some preaching this morning. I mean, I had a week off, so I'm going to probably preach for like three hours today. It's an hour shorter than normal. Right? Everybody's getting nervous. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. Right, Harold? It'll be okay. Harold said to me, if, I, I, I've been saying that for 20 years since I've been pastor. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Twice this week, Harold sent me a picture of a blue Corvette in our area somewhere that the license plate said, it'll be okay. <laughs> he saw it once, then he saw it a second time. He sent me a picture. I think that's a sign from God. <laughs> Amen? Not that it'll be okay that I should have that Corvette. I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about, we had done a, a while ago, we had started a series and then we skipped over for a little bit, uh, a faith is series, talking about faith is, you know, the evidence of things hoped for, um, it's the substructure of our life, it's the foundation of our life, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that, whoa, 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 what is going on, Troy, help me, why am I got a clicker, oh, I have no idea what's going on. Somebody get me to the first slide. <laughs> I, 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 all right, listen to me. In our lives, the Bible says that faith is the substructure the, of the things that we hope for, the evidence of things not yet seen. All right, and that's what the Bible tells us the ancients were commended for. And I want to talk to us this morning a little bit about faith is, but how many know that our faith is in God? Amen? Our faith is in Jesus. How many know he's the author of our faith? But how many know we also have faith in the written word of God? Because how many know it is the word of God? I'm amazed how many times in my life that I have people come to me and say, Pastor, I just don't hear from God. Pastor, God doesn't speak to me. Let me make you a promise. If you will pick up this Bible and you will read this Bible, you are reading the words of God. And God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. How many know this is the word of God? And, and so uh, it's amazing to me that sometimes what we're looking for is the audible voice of God. Let me tell you something. I don't know that I've ever had the audible voice of God. Some people have. I don't know that I have. I've had that inner sense of God speaking to me. I've had other ways that he has spoke to me. But I will promise you, 
When I set my heart to hearing God and I pick up his word, God always speaks to me through the word. Amen? Many people are looking for a prophetic word in their life. I need a prophet to speak a word over my life. And I believe in prophecy. And I believe in the gift of it, right? And I believe in prophets. And yet what I know for a fact is the word of God is prophetic in and of itself. That the word of God is prophetic. And so therefore, how many know you may not get a word from a man, but how many know you can still get a word from God? Amen? All right. So I want to talk a little bit about this this morning. That this faith in the written, if you will, or the faith in the word of God. All right? I'm going to start with the scripture. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. How many know that you can hear or read the word of God over and over and over and it not profit you? And it not do anything for you or in your life? And it's not because the word is ineffective. And it's not because the word isn't true. It's because the hearer or the reader of the word did not combine it with faith. It, it doesn't do you any good whatsoever to pick up the word, read it, and then not apply it by faith. All right? It, it means that word faith means a conviction of truth of anything. All right? It's trust and it's fervor born of faith, that conviction. Okay? You see, the word of God, faith is the tool that takes the word of God, which you read and you hear, and it joins it to your life. Faith is the thing that causes us to take the word and apply it to our situation, right? It's no good if you hear the word and yet you don't apply it. But how do I apply it to my situation? I apply it to my situation only through faith. Faith is the thing that causes us to do what we read, right? Uh, um, when you pick up the scriptures and you begin to read and you begin to read about how we are to live, how we are to act, principles of God's word, all of a sudden there's something that has to rise up in us. How many know it takes faith to turn the other cheek? I mean, how many takes faith to go to second mile? How many know it takes faith to forgive? You don't want to forgive, right? You, in the natural, we don't want to. And yet I read the scripture that tells me I'm supposed to forgive my brother, and the only way I can do that is if I combine that with faith. It's the thing that causes us to do what we hear. It's the thing that says, I heard it, I trust it, I trust it because I trust him. Think about this, faith in the written word. Faith in this word is faith in the author. When I'm saying I have faith in the word, when I'm reading the word, and applying, I'm saying I have faith in the author. Let me ask you a question. Any men, I'll talk to men for a moment. How many of you have ever tried to put something together without reading the instructions? How'd it go? Eh, depends on what it was, right? Aren't you glad we live in a day of Google? <laughs> like you can literally pull up almost anything and you can watch YouTube on how to do it. I was trying to, we have one of those, those yellow three-wheel jogger, you know, uh, strollers that you, has a small wheel in the front, you can attach it to the bike, two wheels in the back, and the tire in the front was flat. And I'm trying yesterday, I am going to fix that tire. I couldn't even figure out how to get the axle off. And I'm, I'm messing around. I'm, finally, I just Googled it. I said, Lord, help me. But you see, there's a part of me that has to watch it, read it, and then I have to apply it by faith. Okay? My faith 
is in what I'm seeing, but my faith is in the author. This morning, when you and I are looking at the word of God, reading the word of God, we're saying that my faith in the written is my faith in the author, right? When I don't do what is written, I'm saying I don't have faith in the author. Think about it. All right, faith in the author demands faith in the written. If I believe the author of it, then I must believe what is written. Faith in the written will bear fruit that the writer intended. How many believe that God has fruit from this that he intends in your life? And how many know that faith is you applying it and then that fruit comes about? You cannot grow tomatoes without planting tomato seeds by faith. Right? You just can't do it. Failure to act upon the written is failure to have faith in the writer. Now, I read you that scripture that said, for indeed we have good news preached to us, the writer of Hebrews, but the word did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Faith unites the word of God to the hearer of the word of God. Faith unites the word of God to the hearer, then faith unites us to the promises of God. Faith empowers us to profit from the word of God. The word of God in and of itself without faith will do nothing in your life. You must receive it by faith and you must apply it by faith, okay? Uh, there's a lot of people who have a head knowledge of the word but have no faith in how to apply the word. I mean, that doesn't profit anybody anything. Okay, now, what, what occasion was the writer of Hebrews referencing? He was referencing whenever Moses sent the 12 spies into the promised land. How many know they had a word from God? They had a word of God that God was going to take them into the land of milk and honey. He was going to take them into the land of Canaan. They had a word from God that they have been acting on for year after year, right? They have a word of God that they've been acting on for days, actually, I should say, because the first generation was not years. It was after they rebelled. But they had a word they were acting upon. They left Egypt based upon the word of God. How many know it's easy to leave Egypt when you have heading for something better? Right? And God said, I'm going to take you from here. I'm going to take you to the promised land. They had a word. Now, here's what happened. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up to the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they walled or unwalled? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It's an amazing thing. They had a word from God, and yet Moses decided to send a search party to see if the word of God was true. He decided to send out 12 spies. And he sends out these 12 spies. And you know the story. I mean, if you don't know the story, you pick it up in the uh, book of Numbers 13 and 14. And what you will find is 10 spies came back with a bad report. But it wasn't a bad report on the land. It was a bad report on whether or not they could take the land, whether they could possess the land, right? Sometimes in our life, we've got a good report, but we don't have enough faith to establish and possess the good report. We believe what God wants for us is good. We believe that God has a promise for us. We believe it, but yet somehow we then can't have faith in the process to obtain what God says he wants to give. How many know the process is where we often miss the promise? Think about it. It's often in the process 
where we miss the promise. Because how many know that it's in the process is where there seems to be impossible situations we can't overcome, obstacles that we see, time delays. Anybody ever get frustrated waiting? <laughs> okay. You guys just need to be more patient like me. <laughs> All right. You know, it's in the process. We don't miss the promise when it's given, and we don't miss the promise when it's fulfilled. We miss the promise between here and here because the process does not go like we want it to go. The process does not happen as fast as we want it to happen. I mean, let me give you an illustration. Many of you, uh, you know the scripture in Kings talking about a man named Naaman. Naaman was a leper. Naaman was sent to Israel to the prophet Elisha to get a healing for his leprosy. He went there with preconceived ideas of how this was going to happen. And okay, so he's going, acting on a promise that he's going to find healing. And when he gets there, he comes up to Elisha's house. He's got a chariot, horses, he's got gold, he's got silver. I mean, he is looking to impress. And Elisha doesn't even come out of the house. Elisha doesn't even come out and talk to him. Elisha sends a messenger and says, hey, Go down to the Jordan River and dip yourself seven times and you'll be clean. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that Naaman went away furious. He was angry. Why? Because he had a promise that he was looking for and it did not come the way that he thought it should come. The process is where he almost missed the promise. And I want to say this morning, I've never used this before, I'm saying this morning, that some of you don't allow the process to keep you from the fulfillment of the promise. If you got a word from God and you got a promise from God and you got a in the word of God, you stand upon that and you wait and you walk and you journey and you walk through the process and you will get to the fulfillment of that promise. I'm telling you, it's where the, the process is where you lose it. And so 10 spies come back with a bad report, two come back with a good report. They had a word from God, right? They had proof. This is what they came back with. They came back with grapes and big, it was just amazing. They had proof that the promise was true. They had the fruit of the word that was promised in their hand. They had a historical context, if you will. The mere fact that some of us alive today are a historical context of the faithfulness of God. <laughs> Come on. Has anybody in here ever done anything stupid in your life? That you should be dead. You could be dead and you're here, and you're alive. You have historical context to the faithfulness of God. The mere fact that some of you aren't in a mental hospital today. Come on. No, 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 because you go through some stuff that can cause some mental anguish. And you're not, and you're a sound mind. It's historical context to the faithfulness of God. They held in their hand the possession, the evidence of the promise. They went into the land by the promise of God, they came back with evidence that it was true. They came back in agreement that what God said about the land was true. The words from their mouth testified of God's truth. The word from their mouth testified to the faithfulness of God. The evidence in their hands backed up what came out of their mouth. And their testimony was of the word and the fruit. Right? But here was the problem. Ten had no faith. And they spread that like a cancer among the people. Right? And here's what happens. First of all, faithless people cannot obtain a faithful promise. 
God makes a faithful promise. And the only way you can appropriate and you can possess the promise that God makes is by applying it with it. You can't even be saved without faith. You cannot have salvation without faith in Christ, with faith in God. All right? If God, if God is faithful and his word is true, then the only thing to keep us from that is we don't have any faith. If God is faithful and his word is true, then what is it that keeps us from walking in it? It's us, not him. It's us with the inability to apply faith to that situation. Moses sent 12 spies. Ten were faithless. Ten were faithless trying to search out and bring a report on the promise of God. How many times in you hear your life, have you heard in your life a promise from God, you read a promise from God, you've shared it with somebody, and they said to you, yeah, but. Anybody ever had a yeah, but? Yeah, but. And, and all of a sudden, they tried to convince you the opposite of what you heard. And they may even do it from a well-meaning trying to protect you, right? When you know that you have read and heard the word of God, and he has set a course, you stand on it no matter who looks at you and says, yeah, but. You stand on it whenever they say, but this won't. You can't do that. This can't happen. All right? Your faith is in God. I told you the story two, almost two years ago now. But somebody told me that the right place for kids was done. It was doomed. It would not happen. And in, and in two months, we would be closed. <laughs> they don't know my God. Tell me about tell you about my God. Not only are we still there, we are blessed more beyond the moment of then than you ever can imagine. God has been faithful to the word he gave us. Okay? And I'm going to tell you what, the process has not been easy. The process has been hard. The process has been very, very trying. But I want to say to you that my God is faithful even in the process. Stand on it, man. You'll never obtain the promises of God without faith. Can't happen. You see, faith believes more in the power of God than the power of the enemy. Listen to me. We are in a world where there is a temporary ruler of this world who is influencing this world. Amen? You got to understand that. And yet, we seem to focus on him all the time. We seem to focus on him. Let me tell you something. My God. Now, listen to me. Let me say it to you this way. <laughs> my God is not in control of every situation in the world, but my God is over and above, and one day this world will be under his feet. That's what the Bible promises. That's what the Bible tells us. And so listen to me. We need to stop setting, we need to stop setting our sights on the negativity of this world. I got more faith in my God than I do what the enemy can do to us. They said we can't take the land. There's giants in the land. There's giants in the land. The giants in the land cannot keep you from the promises of God. They said they are too powerful for us. They are stronger than us. They are bigger than us. 
They said, we believe more in what stands against us than who stands with us. When you say, but, it won't be long until you say, can't. When you say, well, I see it, it was good, and the land is good, and the land is rich, and the land is fertile, and the promises of God are true, but, how many times have you said but? I think what we need to start doing is saying, I see the promise of God, and there's all these obstacles, and there's all these things standing in the way, but God. But God. Do you have a but God in your life? But God. I looked at a man who's trying to convince me to get rid of the school. And I told him, I said, do you think, do you think the numbers ever made sense? Of course they don't make sense. I never had the money to buy it, let alone pay for it. It makes no sense. But God. But God. When they give you a report that says there's nothing they can do for your health, how many of you say, but God? Come on, church, you got a but God this morning? Or you got a God but? I get it. Never mind. God wants to, but. No, 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 it needs to be. This is in the way, but God. But God. But and can't almost always lead to won't. You see, they come back and they spread a bad report. They said the promise is good, the land is right, God's word is true, but we can't do it because there's giants in the land. We can't do it because of what stands against us. And all of a sudden, their but and their can't led to the people saying, we won't. If you spread a faithless report long enough, you will lead the people and yourself to saying, we won't do it. We won't walk in faith. We won't walk in obedience. We won't apply the word of God in faith. You ever got there? Anybody ever done that? Has anybody ever got to but can't and won't? In my life, I've done it. I, I, I told you the story. I did it with the, with the school over there. I believed years ago we'd buy that school. And then when the rubber met the, uh, met the road, whenever it came up, all of a sudden they found myself saying, no, but it's too big. But it's an albatross. But it's a money pit. But it's going to be a headache. And boy, was I right. But, and, we, and I can't. Until all of a sudden I was saying, I won't, I don't want to buy it. And God said, oh yeah, you're going to buy it. You understand what I'm talking about this morning? But can't will lead you to want, won't. When God's word is followed with but, we generally follow with we can't, therefore we won't. The people said, we're not going in. We're not going to apply the word with faith. You see, faith doesn't change the narrative. It acts on the narrative. God gave them a word that was a narrative for their life. How many of you believe this morning God has a narrative for your life? And listen to me, that does not mean everything that happens in your life was God's idea. Amen? Not everything that happens in your life was God doing it. Amen? But let's understand that for a moment. How many know there are times where things happen in our life, not because God planned it, but because we sinned? Amen? Anybody ever caused a thing to happen in your life that was a result of sin? Anybody ever had something happen in your life that was a result of somebody else's sin? That's not God, all right? You see, faith doesn't change the narrative. They spread a bad report. The land devours those living in it. Unbelief will cause you to change the narrative that God wrote. You see, 
God never said the land would destroy them. God never said that. But what happens is, in our life, faithlessness will cause us to change the narrative of God. God never said that. Unbelief will cause you to change the narrative that God wrote. You can't change the narrative and walk in faith. You cannot do that. When God writes a narrative, faith demands walking according to the narrative that he wrote. He told Israel, I'm going to take you out of Egypt, and I'm going to take you to the promised land. That was the narrative. Faith would apply it. Faith would walk in it. Amen. See, I heard that? You see, what faith should do is faith should cause you to see yourself through God's word. I need faith sometimes to see me through God's word. Because when I look in the mirror sometimes, I see me. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Right? I know who I am. I know the natural man. I know the, the parts of me that aren't very becoming. I know those things that aren't very godly. And yet the Bible still says who I am, does it not? The Bible says, still says that I'm a child of God, I'm a son of God, I'm the redeemed of God, I'm, I'm more than a, a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I mean, no, I'm still all of those things that the Bible says. But it takes faith for me to see myself through God's word. Even right now, some of you, you cannot see yourself in a positive light because you cannot believe the word of God that says who you are. Identity is so important when you get it from God. The world wants to shape who you are. Your friends want to shape who you are. Your enemies want to shape who you are. The enemy of your soul wants to shape who you are. But we must, by faith, see ourselves through God's word. Because if you don't, you will see yourself in a distorted manner, a defeated manner. And you will even begin to believe how the enemy sees you. Watch what they said. Then they came back. They said, we are like grasshoppers in their eyes. We are like grasshoppers in their eyes. What did they do? They, they rose up. They, they had a word. And yet they had faithless people spreading a faithless word. And now the people won't go in. See, the word of God, though, inspires faith, and faith inspires hope. Come on. Come on. When's the last time you had a word from God? When's the last time that you needed a word from God? And listen to me, and I'm not talking about, you know, you needed that booming, audible voice from heaven that said, Ronald, this is God. Right? But just that you, you know, because in your prayer, in your spirit, the word of God, that you've got a word that you can plant your feet upon, that you've got a word that you can attach your faith to, that you've got a word that you can put your hope in. I'm going to say to you this morning, we got a lot of faith, we got a, we got a lot of hopeless Christians and believers because we got a lot of wordless Christians and believers. The word of God inspires faith. The word of God inspires hope. Unbelief in God's word inspires despair. The people raise their voice in despair. Let me tell you something. In your life, you will either be a voice of faith or a voice of unbelief.
Which are you? What do you want to be? How do I become a voice of faith? Hmm? How do I become this voice of faith that will not spread a bad report? How many know there's a, that, that there's ways to do that? One of the ways is, first and foremost, how many know I have to begin to hear the very word of God? If I don't hear the word of God, I cannot speak the word of God. If I don't read the word of God, I cannot speak the word of God. We don't need any more opinions today. We need truth. We need truth. We need to speak the word that we become a voice of faith. Yeah, they're making my kid wear a mask when they go to school, but my kid is an overcomer and is gonna be just fine. Do you understand what I'm saying? that we teach our generation how to adapt and overcome because of the spirit of God that lives within them. That we tell them and we demonstrate to them that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Your children will learn the DNA of faith or unbelief from you. Y'all look so serious today. Should have worn my preacher suit, Troy. Faith causes you to believe the future. You know what? You know what unbelief is? Let me, let me first of all say this. Unbelief in the future that God paints will always cause you to yearn for the past of what you used to have. Even when that past was not good. Because there's something safe about the past. These people had the audacity to yearn for Egypt once again. They're looking at the promises of God. They're looking at the fruit. They got a word from God. The land of milk and honey is just over there. And yet, because they did not have faith, because of the unbelief that was spread, what did they do? We wished we were back in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. They were beaten in Egypt. Their children were killed in Egypt. How do we yearn for a past that is so bad when the future is so good? Because we don't have faith that leads us into the future. Fear caused by unbelief in the future will cause you to redefine the past. Oh, it really wasn't that bad. Oh, it was, we remember the onions and the leeks and the garlic and the meat we ate with abundance in Egypt. Well, of course, Egypt fed you, you were their slaves. How many of you have ever redefined the past? That you've looked backwards and you've said, because, because you don't have faith to move forward, because you can't believe in the future that God paints, all of a sudden you have a revisionist history and you redefine what the past was and now you're saying, well, it wasn't that bad. 
You know how many, I, I, it's amazing to me over the years where I have dealt with people coming out of the drug arena that were selling drugs that always are talking about how much money they had when they were drug dealers. Yeah, I know all about it. You had more money. You slept with one eye open. You're always wondering where the police were. Oh, it was so grand and glorious. Right? Now you're saved. You're serving God. You're not selling drugs. And you're broke. That's a good day. That's a good day. Listen, that's a good day, man. Because in the past, when you had money, you was always afraid what was going to happen next. You see, because there's only two outcomes to that. You're going to die or go to jail, one or the other. Right? But yet, somehow, all of a sudden, that past gets repainted. Dude, I looked at one and said, what are you talking about? Dude, you were a drug dealer. You're painting this like it was something good. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. A broke day in freedom is better than any day in bondage that you had money. Faith will always protect your family better than unbelief. What were they afraid for? They were afraid for their families. They were afraid that their family was going to be destroyed. Isn't it amazing sometimes to challenge to faithfulness in the name of protecting our family? I can't tithe because I'm afraid we won't have enough to meet our bills. You tithe, God will, make, God will meet your need. Well, there's times in our life where we've done faithless things in the name of, I'm going to protect my family. That's what they were doing. How many faithless things have we done in the name of protecting our family? What was God's response now? What was God's response? God's response was this. How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? How long? How long are they going to hold me in contempt? How long are they not going to believe in me? Despite the fact that I brought all the plagues upon Egypt, despite the fact, Moses, that I split the Red Sea in front of them and destroyed Pharaoh's army in it, despite the fact that I made the bitter water sweet, despite the fact that I gave them a pillar of fire at night to lead them, a cloud by day, <clears throat> despite the fact that I brought water from despite all this, how long? Listen to me, church, do you have any testimonies that you can point back to? And when you point back to them, they should aspire. But here's what happened to this people. This people got to a place where God says, how long are they going to behold me in contempt? Unbelief is contempt for God and his word. That I hear it, but I won't act on it. I hear it, but I don't believe you enough, God, to act upon it. You know what, can, you know what unbelief does? It angers God. The Bible tells me faith pleases God. The Bible tells me in Hebrews chapter 11 that without faith, it is impossible to please God. How many of you like it when your children believe you? Nobody. Okay, praise the Lord. Right? Of course. I used to take my kids, and we lived up the mountain years ago when they were small, and we had this big high deck, and I'd tell them, jump, I'll catch you. They were goofy enough to do it. 
Never missed him yet. Right? But there was something about that. Take a jump of faith. I got you. I'll catch you. I won't drop you. You're a little late, brother. I'm just letting you know. Don't even think of skipping out early in the second service. My brother-in-law just walked in, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> he just walked in. It's like, what time is it? It's like 10.21. Service started at 9, brother, okay? And now for the rest of you, I'm going to start at the beginning just for him. <laughs> he drove two hours and couldn't even be here on time. You see, the Bible clearly tells us that unbelief angers God and faith pleases God. Why? Because faith is saying, God, I believe you, I trust you. Right? And yet we find ourselves struggling so many times to operate in faith in what God says, what he writes, what he speaks. Watch what, God, watch what happens. He said, but my servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I'm going to bring him into the land which he entered, right? And his descendants shall take possession of it. Ten spies, 12 spies, 10 bad, report two good, Joshua and Caleb. He said, but Caleb, he's got a different spirit. He's got a spirit of faith. He's got a spirit that doesn't hold me in contempt. He's got a spirit that believes me. He's got a spirit that trusts me. He's got a spirit that says we can overcome and we should go take possession. And watch what God says. God says, and because he has a different one, he's going to come back to the very place that he once walked. Let me say something to you this morning. I don't know why I'm saying this. Caleb walked for 40 years after that moment before he could go back and take possession of what God promised. The process for him was 40 years. But yet there was a day he walked in the promise. And I want to say to you this morning, for some of you, don't stop believing and don't stop walking. It might have been a delay. It might have been a season. But I'm telling you now that God is going to bring it to pass, stand upon it, and walk in that promise one day. All right? He says he's got a different one. Watch this. So seeds of faith sown in the present bless generations of tomorrow. Because Caleb said we should go up and take it for we can take the land. God said, because you walked in faith today, I'm going to bless the generations of tomorrow. How many of you want to bless tomorrow's generation? How many want to bless your sons and daughters? How many want to plant some seeds today that they can walk in generations from now? As a church, we walk in some things today that we never planted, that others have planted before us. Watch this. Even those men who brought out a very bad report in the land died by a plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive out of those men to spy out the land. <laughs> Unbelief produces death. Faith produces life. I, I often think about those two. There were only two of a generation to cross both the Red Sea and the Jordan River. The only two of a generation to cross both those places. And I wonder, I, I wonder for a moment, they were the ones that said, we can do this, we can take the land, we should go in, and we should do what God told us to do, and we got a promise, and God is faithful. And then the unbelief happens. And then the people have to walk for 40 years in the wilderness till every one of that generation dies except those two. 
How many of you might have been ticked off walking around the desert for 40 years because of them? Like you're, you're Joshua and you're Caleb and now you're stuck for 40 years wandering. I think I'd have been walking like this. There's another one died, Joshua. How many we got to go? <laughs> oh, there's another one. How many are we down to now? How many we have left before we can get out of this desert? Before we can get out of this? How many? Okay, there's another one. I hope we have a plague tomorrow. <laughs> just, just talking natural for a moment. <laughs> right? They walked for 40 years until finally they could come back to that moment. You see, remember what faith tells us. It is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. You see, here's the deal. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. It is the assurance of things not yet seen. I want to say to you this morning that faith is that substructure to our life. And yet, I want to say to you this morning that the word of God should always lead us to faith. Right? You see, I'm going to say to you this morning that some of us, our faith is wavering, but we're not in the word of God. I have no problem with people turning on the television and listening to preachers and getting on YouTube. And I have no problem with any of that. We we live in an era where you can get some of the finest preaching in the world at the click of a button. Not mine, but theirs. Right? We, We live in this era where you have some of the finest preaching and teaching available to you. Praise God. But you've always had that available to you in the Word of God. You've always had it available to you in the Word of God. And I want to say to you this morning that your faith will be strengthened if you will get in the Word of God. If you will pick up his Word and read it. If you say, Lord, speak to me through your Word. His Word never comes back void. I, I, I want to say to you this morning, for some of us, it just begins with saying, you know what? And here's, and here's the excuse. I'm going to tell you the excuse. Right there. But I just don't understand it when I read it. Read it again. Read it again. And read it again. And read it again. The Holy Spirit will teach you. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. And you'll be surprised when that comes back for you. Faith is the substructure of our life. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Come on, Troy. Put your ball hat on and come on. For some, listen to me. For some of us, we're like, we're like the Israelites. We left Egypt but we're not living in the promised land. We left Egypt, 
and we're glad to be out of Egypt. And we're walking in the wilderness, and we're okay with that, but we're not walking in the fullness of God. And the only way to walk in the fullness of God is to walk in the promises of God through the faith in the Word of God. You live free, but not full. You live free from the past, but never really in the future that God intends for us. Hmm? You know, faith doesn't keep you from the experiences of life. Come on, how many know we still experience life? Right? Think about life. People get sick. People die. Kids rebel. <laughs> right? Wives leave. Husbands leave. Things happen. Life happens. Amen? Anybody experience life? You lose jobs. It's amazing to me when these life experiences happen, what we do is we get angry at God and we say, I quit. We get angry at God, I quit. This didn't work out the way I thought it was going to. I wish I could tell you that faith makes everything happen exactly like you want it to happen. But I will promise you this. Faith won't keep you from all the experiences in life, but it will help you go through all those experiences. Faith will keep you through it because your faith is in Him. You had faith for outcomes and situations and circumstances that did not transpire the way you believed. You prayed, you believed. You professed, you confessed, you declared. But in the end, it didn't happen. And does that make God unfaithful? No. Not at all. Not at all. Did God fail you? No. That's what the devil wants you to believe. God didn't have your back. If God loved you, this wouldn't have happened. It happened because probably somebody sinned. People don't run out on marriages because God told them to. Kids don't get hooked on drugs because God told them to. You understand what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, because it didn't happen the way, because we've been taught all of our lives that everything, all, all of, all, that everything that stopped happened from the beginning of time was a blueprint and God had his finger on all of it. That's just rubbish. Not true at all. God didn't fail you. Don't succumb to that story. And then we say, I quit. I quit God. I quit the church. I quit praying. I quit. Don't you quit. Don't you quit. My faith is not in the perfection of my life, but it is in his perfection that one day will be revealed. I got faith, but my life ain't perfect. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith is. You know what faith is? And I'm going to be done. But I got another hour to go because Pat just got here. Faith is looking at the obstacles of your life. Faith is looking at the enemy of your life. Faith is saying and looking and saying, it is written. It is written. Jesus, tempted by the enemy. Right? 
40 days, hungry. Here comes the enemy. Now's my moment to strike. Jesus had one thing. He didn't rely on his feelings. He didn't rely on his emotional state. He didn't rely on his physical condition. He said, let me tell you something, devil. It is written. And what is written is what I will stand upon. Your emotions will let you down. Your physical might let you down. Your mental state might let you down. But I want to tell you something. When you can look and you say, it's written. It's written. I got a promise from God. And I'm standing on it. Because without faith, the word of God is of no profit to you. The scripture tells us. So folks, I got three words for you this week. Come on, Troy. Oh, no, wait, not those three. I got three words for you this week that I want you to use this week. It is written. I want you to use those words this week because this week you will have opportunity to operate in unbelief or in faith. And I want you to say, it's written. It is written. So Father, this morning, we say our faith is in you. Our faith is in your word, the word you speak to us, the word that we read. That we don't want to be those who heard the word, but it was no profit because we didn't combine it with faith. We want to be those who would hear the word, read the word, see the word, and allow faith to cause us to activate that word and act on that word so that it would profit us, that it would profit us, those around us, that it would profit our children. It would profit our grandchildren. It would be like Caleb, where God says, I'm going to bless your generations. So, Father, this morning, we leave here with a commitment to combining the word and faith. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, come on, stand with me. Troy, sing something, Troy.